get emails? No. Other than junk mail and no. yeah, our, our, yeah, I figured not. No, yeah, you no, know, a lot of junk email. A lot of people are like, hey, will you want help with your SEO? Yeah, yeah. Uh, occasional Patreon thing from somebody. Sometimes people trying to get us to watch their movie. I know we used to. Get I those got every a couple of those before. Yeah, yeah. We do love building community friends, so you know we'd like to do more of that. Well, it's just the only place to like. Do you easily... ever email podcasts though? No, I and they always <laughs> want you to. I never. They do. always want you to, and I know that there are some fucking freaks because I'll listen to a mailbag episode on some podcasts. I, was say, I, I do. To. So I listen. I watch a channel on YouTube called The Dice Tower. It's all board game stuff, uh-huh. and I think they do have an older audience. So I think a lot of the older audiences, maybe Gen X and older, uh, probably yeah. do do some, send some emails. Okay, that yeah. would make sense. But I, yeah. I, I'm and next. he does a lot of call for action, like, hey, if you've got a thing or you know, have questions, want to send them, you know, so uh, that is the thing. But I don't know who is. I, I, I'm assuming most people have already dropped off the episode by the time we're signing off with emails yeah, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'd be yeah. curious, but. But we are the 175th most popular movie podcast in Finland. That's right. So very, yeah. very proud Don't you that. forget it. Yeah. Um, so in Finnish, I want to say hi. More like Friendlands, right? Which mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. hi. A-G-I. Is did, high. You, did you look it up? Yeah, I did. Nice. So high and finish. I loves my finish. I love my finish. I'm strong to the finish. And when I <laughs> eats the Spanish. Uh, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Hello, everybody. You do want to be strong to the finish if you can. <laughs> that's and that's what we're going to do with this toot, episode. Toot. toot toot. Beep beep. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome again to the Good Trash Donor Cast. We gather around a table. We discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film studies course. What? You don't think people are going to talk and academically study Robert Altman's Popeye from um, 1980? Probably not. Popeye. 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 <laughs> Chicken Popeye. Um, Mr. I? I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I'm still Dalton, but I might be taking on some sort of sailor's alias by the end of the episode. I, I know if I get scared, all my clothes turn yellow. It's just uh, Dalton and his dinghy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have to pay the docking tax, though. <laughs> um, Drinking coffee while you're podcasting tax, though? Have you paid yep, that one? I'm, I'm, okay. I'm all caught up. Oh, if you're tuning into the Good Trash Undercast <laughs> for the very first time, you're listening, we want to let you know that we're very silly. But the second thing we want to let you know is that this is an analysis show, not a review show, and that does mean spoilers. Um, we won't tell you whether or not Popeye wins the fight with Bluto in the ultimate scene of the film. Will he eat spinach or will he not? We won't tell. Say? We're not going to tell you until couldn't be me. I'm we not get spoil to the spoiler section of the show. So if you have missed the 1980 classic from Robert Altman, starring uh, Shelley Duvall and Robin Williams and a great many others, Bill uh, Irwin, Bill Irwin, yeah, I mean uh, the lady. Um, Linda, yeah, Linda Hunt, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, if she was going away and coming back, yeah. Uh, lots of great people that you're going to think her debut maybe. Mm, I don't know. I think I read that. Perhaps, perhaps. Uh, but in case you have not seen that film or only have very, very distant memories like I did, I have seen. Same. It has been nearly 40 years since I've seen this movie. And uh, so if that's the case and you're sort of listening to the show, trying to decide whether or not you wish to go ahead and watch the film or not, we're going to get into progressively more spoiler territory. We'll begin with the synopsis, probably. If I don't skip it. And from that synopsis, you'll just know it'll be, you know, a Popeye movie. And then we'll move on to the uh, reviews of the movie. And this is an important distinction. You can review a film without spoiling it. Correct. And you should. Analysis, though, which is what we're here to do. 
require spoilers. And, requires text. Yeah. And yes. once we've discussed how we feel about the text, then we'll talk about other texts related to this text, right? right. We want to open up the spoiler valve a little bit. A little bit. A, a gentle flow of spoiler um, at that point. And then the torrent of spoilerage begins after we have kicky music to let you know that we have gotten down to business and that business is analysis. That's so. right. The, ski- the street kids have opened up the fire hydrant. It's it's all hell's breaking loose. Yeah. And so that's kind of the rundown of what's going on. So, Arthur, do you have a synopsis with which to delight us? Popeye blows into the seaside town of Sea Haven in search of his pa and meets a familiar cast of characters along the way, including Bluto, Wimpy, and, of course, Olive Oil. Yes, indeed. Um, so, uh, what do we think? Uh, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll wow. tell you. I'll he tell you this the much. lead on that one, did no, he? No, he did not. And we'll get to him in a second. Uh I don't know, I'll tell you this much. This movie doesn't need to be two hours long. No. no. Not by, I can't, I, I, what were they? Well, cocaine. That's how that happened. I, mean, uh, I, I read it. I don't know that. if you read this. I don't think Robert I'm... Evans was arrested for trying to buy cocaine during the production. Uh, that, but also yeah. Robert Altman had absolutely zero cares about a script or dialogue. Great. Uh, so yeah, of course it's two hours. Yeah. I, I heard um, in one video I watched that he did not like that Robin was constantly ad-libbing, but if they didn't have an ironclad script, I don't know that I believe that. I also, I mean, also heard Robin re-recorded all of his dialogue because he was too mumbly and yes. they couldn't hear it. Yeah. I also saw that. It makes sense because it's still it look, hard. It looked yeah. that way. And that's sort of an Altman technique anyway. You think about Elliot Gould and um, like Long Goodbye, mm-hmm. you know, and so. He, I think those, that's the only other Altman film I've seen. Oh, really? Is this in Long Goodbye? And I, I, I like you. Yeah, I'd see this in probably 20 years. Mm-hmm. Also, I think I was like 12, which um, is the right time. Yeah. I, and I think now is a fine time to revisit it. I mean, you know, it's not going to hold your attention for two hours, but it's fun. And, you know, it's it is a live action cartoon. And mm-hmm. I, that is something that, like, really speaks to me. I love it when a, a movie like tries its best to capture the essence of a totally different medium, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'm, I'm on board for that kind of thing. Uh, I think Shelley Duvall is giving one of the great comedy performances of that decade. Uh, holy she was shit, born dude! To play olive oil? No kidding. I mean, they wanted born Gilda Radner, which makes sense. Sure. But yeah, Duvall is so funny in this movie. There's dude. also a number of anecdotes that she was so happy to be here working on this after the Kubrick stuff. Yes. Oh I've yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's a much more pleasant set. Yeah. yeah. So uh-huh. I think that comes across as well. Totally. Um, well, and, and he needs me. It's just like such a, a, a lovely little number and, you know, gets used uh, to great effect decades later in Punch Drunk Love. But like, yeah, it's just she crushes her musical number. She has to be a damsel in distress, but makes it like really funny mm. uh, is doing all kinds of really great physical comedy with the ridiculous shoes that they have her wearing. Uh, and th- that's another great aspect of this film is just like how literally it adapts the proportions and visual visuals of kind of the classic Popeye shorts and serials. It, it just is like fully committed to bringing that to to live action and, and not messing with the look of it too much. That's very just a, a, a very cool choice. Uh, it does not really hang together as a film. I, I don't know that you could call it an entirely successful film. Uh, that said. I, don't know, I gave it three stars on Letterbox, and I gave it the I like it heart, which I did not give to the last unicorn. So, uh, which we discussed last the real week. litmus test. And that's a true litmus test. Do I give it the I like it heart on Letterbox, which 90 percent of the movies I watch get because mm-hmm. I I like the movies. What can I say? Even when they're bad, I, mean, I usually like Yeah, same. Yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not having to think about what's in my own brain for an hour and a half to two hours. OK, please. And thank you. All right. <laughs> Here we go. The delights of cinema. Thank you, Robert Altman. Uh, and thank you, Robin Williams. Uh, first leading role. 
and I think he does a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, it's he's a, a good Popeye. He's a very good Popeye. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like the, the Visca Verska, the like adding the N's and K's and the stuff, the mumble, the like shit he says under his breath, which I saw uh, an interview with him on Dick Cavett, like when the movie was in production. And uh, they were, Cavett was like, have you got the Popeye voice yet? And he, he didn't quite have it yet. He, he kind of did the, like he'd start to do a Popeye noise. Mm-hmm. And then Cavett would go, is that the, is that the, the voice? And he'd go, no, 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 <laughs> not, not yet. <laughs> the movie was entirely devoid of an uh, gu, 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 gu. And it was. I, was, I was very, very sad about that. That is true. You're so right. Yeah. That's a, that, 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 Missed I opportunity. Think if it had that, it would have been four stars. You think? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, yeah. There's, there's fun visual gags. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, somebody gets screwed through a pier and into a butt. Like, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of just goofy cartoon bullshit. Mm-hmm. Bill Irwin doing his clowning stuff, like gets to be squished by Bluto, uh, which is a really fun visual gag. I mean, the destruction of the oil residents is a fun gag, like them being taxed and Bluto seeing red when he sees Popeye and olive oil together. Like there's really fun visual gags in this mm-hmm. film mm-hmm. And, and it does miraculously drag you across the finish line with those gags. Uh, even it's clearly malfunctioning, but very cool looking robotic octopus at the, the end of the film. Um, I love the octopus. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah, that's a cool guy. Uh, very clearly barely works, but very cool. Uh, I love it. Well, that is the anecdote that there was not enough yeah. money for the they octopi. So, well, they built this whole damn town in Malta, man. Yeah. You know, uh, and that is cool. You can go to Malta and experience Popeye village. It's mm-hmm. still there. That's a theme park now. Let's go. Uh, yeah, Patreons. That's that's a that's the new goal. <laughs> Send us to Malta. All they you only f- sell spinach at their concessions, though. All you Finnish <laughs> listeners, um, <laughs> please. You want to meet all, Yeah, <laughs> meet us my, in Malta. The, uh, you you read the rough draft of my World War II novel. All you Finnish <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I'm so glad you read it. Thank you. Uh, I don't. Yeah, it's it's fine. Um, I'm glad we talked about it because it is such an oddity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm, uh, my letterbox review is simply no speed racer without this, and that I do think yes. is true. Mm-hmm. A much more successful live action cartoon, but this is definitely like the the sort of you know the the Rosetta Stone mm-hmm. for a whole like decade, couple of decades worth of attempts to do a, a riff on a on animation on comics like i think the shadows related to this i think a ton of films from the the spirit i think a lot of films from the next like 20 to 25 years even ang lee's hulk yeah. i think yeah yeah it, it, you know, i'm so glad you brought that one up yeah that's an excellent example uh so yeah i i think a lot of films surprisingly owe a lot to this weird little picture but i it's not quite there you know as much as i like things about it what about you art yeah, I, I agree. I think there are are moments. There are a lot of fun bits that appear throughout this film. The boxing match is a lot yeah. of fun. Uh, the show off uh, showdown in the uh, restaurant bar is is mm-hmm. fun. Um, the the rough house. Come to the rough house. Yeah, uh, Popeye trying to get a seat at the table uh, is, is fun. They're, like there are moments that are Wendy funny. Wendy trying to get a hamburger. Yeah, that you know, there's there's bits like that that just work, and the very cartoony nature of it. You know, pulling his chair out from under somebody, and they still sit. Or you know, those, so funny. Those moments. Uh, uh, Caster gets kicked out of the ring and the city or Laughed something. Laughed out loud. My gosh, that was funny. He, well, in the next scene, he's got that like cartoon knot on his forehead like mm-hmm. yeah. so perfect like all that stuff is fun but again it's it's i mean there's no plot you know i mean there's almost nothing to propel the story from start to finish uh i, I, I said you know popeye shows up to try to find his paw that's kind of a thing 
Uh, they find Sweet Pea, which is kind of a thing. And then there is the third act where there's kind of a story to get us through the finale. Um, yeah, the plot literally shows up in the third act. Yeah, uh, but up into that, it is just these series of chapters and vignettes of Popeye. Popeye shorts. Yeah, yeah. And, and in those shorts, I think there are ones that work really well and some that don't. Mm-hmm. And trying to coheed them for two hours is a a Sisyphian task. Yeah, I know what you're saying. A rolling rock up a hill kind of task. Yeah. So I think that I just, uh, you know, this is one I think some people have tried to come to bat for. Mm-hmm. And I think it has, you know, as an oddity, it's really interesting. I'm glad I finally sat down to watch it because it is a very interesting curio of it a is. film. Um, it is just not very good uh, as, as a movie. As For me to sit down and watch this for two hours, it is very... I, I can't get on board with it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think it's got some fun stuff. It lacks. A, it's a weird thing. It lacks energy. There's a lot of these big musical numbers that aren't very big. They're just kind mm-hmm. of people walking through town singing. Well, they're on quaaludes too. It's like it's so like like they're in like, molasses. Like or yeah. low energy yeah. music instead yeah. of you know well, a they're, musical. They're all Harry Nilsson jams, which is like kind of chill i mean i'm not a huge harry nelson guy like i, I don't have like a, a big knowledge of the work but it is kind of you know gotta get up gotta get you know it's, yeah you know it's i don't know I, I i think it's fine i'm not mad at it like i am with about the america songs from last week on the last unicorn yeah i mean i think they're fun songs but again it, it is that lack of energy it's mm-hmm. like i can't buy into this because nobody here seems to have the energy to want me to watch kind of like the numbers in mamma mia it right need, with well, like no choreography and it's like give me gassed up come on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, 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 that's exactly what i was at thinking, least the mamma mia songs i don't know right mm-hmm. yeah the ones i know are fun but then sure. like the other 80 percent, i don't know like the entire crowd of sweet haven singing and dancing to and i am what i am like that yeah. would, that would work yeah yeah but that opening number where he first shows up is just what is happening here mm-hmm. it's just so plotting um so, yeah, I'm glad we watched it. I'm, I'm glad I finally got it to catch up with it. Uh, it's fascinating for a number of reasons as a huge studio flop because they did spend so much money building the city of Malta. But uh, it is it is bad. And so, uh, yeah, that's what that's where I'm at. It is. It is I'm not. It's, it's not great. Very good, very good. Um, I again have not seen the movie in nearly forty years. I think uh, very came cool. out the same year you did, right? Uh, it did came out. It did come out the same year I did. Me That's and, true. Me and Sweet Pea are the same age. Um, Sweet Pea is some forty-three-year-old man somewhere right yeah. now on a I podcast. I thought about that while I was watching the movie. I, I was like, "Damn, Sweet Pea's like forty now." Actually, I am Sweet Pea. This whole time, dun, 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 this dun. whole the whole the whole time. That's why I eat sweets all the time, because if I ate spinach, I'd be at my full power and I would not be. I'd just be dangerous. Will Miniker, co-host of Chapo Trap House, gave this four and a half stars on Letterboxd. Wow. Yeah. Some people love it. Yeah. Disgustipating how disrespected the movie is, I am he said. Dis- I am disgustipated um, with that. Um, with that, with a four and a half star review yes, for Popeye? Damn. Okay, go uh, off. Because it's terrible. I mean, terrible. Uh, okay. Uh, I, the, here I am two weeks in a row. I like singing and dancing. I do. I believe it. My top 10 is Wizard of Oz and Singing in the Rain. Okay, I've got two musicals in there, and I think if I were to rechange my top 10 right now, I think Umbrellas of Sherberg might even crack it. Can I tell you the insane thing I just did, speaking of our top 100s? What's that? Went into the list. Number 43, Power of the Dog, straight swap for In the Cut. Okay. Yeah, that's that's all. Okay. So just an update on the top 100. Good. Excellent. Um, But... 
there is too much and not good enough okay. of, of the singing. Um, just too much and it's not good enough. And so I do like the He Needs Me, He Needs Me bit. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of memorable. And it, it, it's in a low energy moment. It's like appropriately mm-hmm. toned and, and like the, it works there. And so that's that's totally fine. You don't like everything is food? No. Wrong. No, I don't like any of it. That one's fun. I don't, I don't like any of it. Not wow. every, Everything is meat. Everything, no, everything isn't meat. Yeah, it's nonsense. It's Tree, trees are not meat. Yeah, I know. It's, it's stupid. I'm done. Um, <laughs> and then the it, it it does this thing. It is almost it's too perfect of an adaptation, is what I want to say. It is because mm. it is these Popeye is always just sort of muttering under his breath and making these little jokes. So that this is the sort of the nature of those cartoons. Mm. It is always this uh just little vignette of a little boxing match and hey isn't that funny here's a good visual gag let's let's wind up our fists like a like a you know a, a, a wind up clock toy like that kind of that is what it does and that's the whole bit and it's over and now you're just going to string all those bits together and not tell any kind of a story and again as arthur was saying it, it lacks any sort of story cohesive bit to it it does feel like um very much that sort of fun playset a playground design kind of world like you might see in another robin williams like the lost boys house mm-hmm. uh in um hook or uh i thought a lot about and i almost tried to find the uh 80s pippy long stockings movie mm-hmm. like it really just sort of feels like this sort of ridiculous sort of kids adventure kind of thing and i have more affection in my nearly 40 years since seeing pippy long stockings but um i i think it's of a of a piece uh with that kind of thing but no it just it's it's really just kind of a mess uh, mm-hmm. as a movie, and so yeah, it really doesn't work for me at all. And I think I think Robin Williams is underused. I think he could have been bigger, and that would have been okay. I think that's fair. I I, I think uh, I think Shelley Duvall is doing everything exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, again, I don't think the problem is Robin. I think the problem is directing uh, when it comes to his performance. Uh, I think Bluto could have done more. I mean, Bluto. Do, there's a great moment where he is looming through an obviously sized too small door at the horse track. Yeah. And he sort of points and you know does a come here gesture like i i have a sort of nebulous memory of like that is a scene from one of the cartoons where he does something almost exactly like that and i, I and i wonder if like what the side-by-side comparison would be for the individual sort of visual motifs of the individual scenes mm-hmm. and and bits of business to the cartoons and and i like that but i, I just i want more bluto being terrible you know i wanted more pappy i wanted more wimpy i wanted i wanted more of all the oils um coal oil castor oil oh it's so fun um i, I just i wanted so much more of that kind of stuff and there were bits of business, but they, they didn't link. It, it needed to go even more ridiculous or more silly, mm-hmm. or it needed to go more serious. And it's sort of just somewhere just weirdly in the middle and, and all of that. And I just, I don't care for it a bit. So, um, yeah, I'm not a big fan on this one. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts, which are um, not so shiny, but, you know, there's some shine in some of our eyes, um, mine excluded. Uh, we're going to move on. Oh, Arthur and I are shining together real hard right now. Yeah, ma'am. Uh, We're going to move on to the next part of the show. No, Arthur's like, no, I don't think no, so. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His face did a lot of work just now, dear listener. Um, we're going to move on to the next part of our show, which is called Expanding the Syllabus, and Arthur's going to tell you what that's all about. Expanding the syllabus is a thought experiment where we, the hosts, assemble an academic course or maybe a module within a course based around the assigned viewing for the week and any adjacent texts that could be articles and books to uh, tangentially related films, games, music, stories, what have you, to flesh that out. Yes, indeed. Um, do you come prepared with the syllabus, my friend? I do. Uh, it is that idea of cartoon annex and live action. Uh, that's kind of what I picked up on because it really does, I think, 
aesthetically succeed as a live action cartoon mm-hmm. uh, in, in that way, not as an adaptation of a cartoon, but putting cartoon logic on screen in very cartoon ways, kind of in that uh, Popeye, Looney Tunes tradition. And so uh, I think that's where we would look uh, go at. And I think we're going to start uh, with Hasu House, uh, nice. from, yes. um, which is often described as Rob Zombie's Scooby-Doo. Uh, which also has these very zany, cartoony moments uh, as I don't know what's happening happens uh, in that movie. Um, people lose their heads and ghosts show up and uh, cars are filled with bananas, I think. Is bananas or watermelons? I don't know. Uh, homie turns into watermelons. So, yeah. Watermelon. Watermelons. Yeah. yeah. Watermelon. What a movie. Um, but yeah, very cartoony in that way. And so I think it's a fun kind of starting place to begin to explore some of these ideas of what is cartoon and how does that, how can we translate? How does that translate? What does that look like? Uh, from there, uh, we're going to talk about one we talked about a long time ago, which was kind of a definition. This is Gremlins 2 of that kind of Looney Tunes zaniness mm-hmm. put on screen in, in a very uh, kind of Looney Tunes familiar way. Uh, from there, we would talk about Dick Tracy. Yes. Uh, which is very much a live action cartoon that brings in the color palettes from the comics and uh, manages to capture that cartoon feel. Uh, but maintain that live action look. Uh, the mask uh, with Jim Carrey kind of feels like a fun point. Not only is Carrey kind of a, a through line with Robin Williams in carrying on this sort of clown motif as an actor, but also just the uh, very Looney Tunes nature of that and, and or Hanna-Barbera nature of that because we get a lot of uh, eyes popping out of skulls and tongues lolling across tables when attractive people show up. Uh, we take a look at Robert Zemeckis' Death Becomes Her. Sure. Which features some very cartoony violence as people are getting shot with cannons. And, mm-hmm. and, and like there's a very uh, animated element to that. Through Goldie, Hon- Hon- uh, Goldie Holmes. Goldie Holmes? Goldie Hawn's <laughs> hole in her stomach. I'm, I'm getting there. What is it? It's <laughs> hell, hell, hell of a thing to say. Uh, yeah, no, I, I 100% get it. You know what you put I meant? Goldie Hole. Uh, uh, <laughs> somebody had to say it. It's Harry Hole. Uh, oh. oh, careful. Careful. You don't want to go down that road with me, boy. Uh, yeah, I get 100% why you put this on the on the list. That's such a, a perfect example of this kind of thing. Yeah, and that popped up when I was looking kind of for other examples and somebody mentioned it's like, oh, obvi- yeah, obviously, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the violence there is so... Uh, cartoony. Um, obviously, Speed Racer has been mentioned, I think, is the kind of capital E on the eye chart bit of this uh, playing out. Uh, I think uh, Wes Anderson's Asteroid City uh, would sure, go in here as well. Sure. Obviously, you could talk about a lot of Wes's movies in relation to this, especially aesthetically. But there's a there's a Roadrunner uh, in the desert. And that's mm-hmm. such a nod, I feel like, to uh, Looney Tunes and animation uh, that it feels like the kind of perfect culmination for this. Um, and then uh, to go to TV, we'd also take a look at Scrubs. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about TV shows, uh, but there's so many of these sorts of cartoon bits that play out with people's heads exploding or doing these sorts of things you see in uh, animation uh, playing out in a live action form. And I think Scrubs does a very good job of actually carrying over those animated techniques. Obviously, a lot of people from The Simpsons are coming in and working there. Uh, so familiarity and animated background, uh, and that translates in really interesting ways in that show uh, in a live action space. And so uh, that's what we do. That's what we talk about and look at uh, would be cartoon antics in live action. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Do you have a syllabus prepared, Dalton? I do. I think this is a class where we'd be looking at intellectual property and the adaptation then and now. Uh, I think we'd look at sort of 
the second half of the 20th century of American film and we kind of look at modern trends and we, we kind of look for through lines uh, because it's very interesting um, sort of what is being selected for adaptation when, right? This film pretty much exists, Papa, I mean, pretty much exists because of Annie. Um, so mm-hmm. there, there was this big rush, like Paramount wanted to get the Annie movie. They didn't get the rights to the musical or the comic strip, realized they already had the rights to Popeye instead of sort of moved forward with a, a direct competitor. Uh, so it's it's interesting to see sort of these trends in adaptation, right? You go to the 70s and you look at like Jaws and Godfather. It's sort of the, these popular airport novels. Um, and, you know, we, we've moved out of adapting classic literature and into sort of more pop reading fare. And that that sort of becomes a big backbone of adaptation for decades i mean Mm -hmm. to this day and i think you can look at things like uh gone girl and girl on the train and sort of the the women's noir uh movement or in in fiction Mm -hmm. and sort of look at that those adaptations girls with the dragon tattoo exactly well and even there's a there's the netflix parody it's the girl with the tattoo that sat by the window and i can't remember the name of the fuck it's it's very much doing the don't be a menace gotcha yeah it's doing that kind of title but I think those are definitely related. I think it's interesting to look at, say, TMNT from 90 and sort of the birth of that franchise and then look at the one that's coming out in August of this year, sort of kind of compare and contrast this this change from, you know, independent co-production with Golden Harvest out of Hong Kong and then pivot to Nickelodeon Studios and Paramount Presents. It's just kind of an interesting trajectory for those characters and for that that intellectual property. Uh, I think we'd look at uh, Mars Attacks, um, the the uh, Tim Burton film, uh, to kind of tie into TMNT, uh, as well as uh, the uh, just a taste, just a little sampling of Transformers from Michael Bay, and then also a little bit of, uh, speaking of new films, Greta Gerwig's Barbie, sort of mm-hmm. looking at the toy and the comic book and the sort of the children's property as fodder for adaptation. Uh, I think those are sort of the big ones I wanted to mention. Oh, uh, the the sort of interesting serial boom, right? After we get Batman in 89, we get mm-hmm. The Phantom and The Shadow, and then in 2010 or so, 2011, whatever year it is, or no, 2009 even, we get The Spirit. Uh, Mm -hmm. which is also related to this. So again, I think the class would just sort of be examining this tendency of the American studio system to want to find a hot property to adapt, to try to find the built-in attention. And again, that sort of uh, pre-awareness, I think is what they call it these days. I think that's the studio jargon is pre-awareness. Um, that shit has been around for decades now and it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's sort of reached critical mass in the last 10 to 15 years, but I don't think it's anything new. So I think it's, it's kind of fun to examine how we, we get around. Uh, the, the only thing I haven't mentioned that I have on this list is air and uh, flame and hot. These were brand movies that are, are kind of really popping off this year. Uh, I guess you could talk about Blackberry as well, though that yeah, almost feels separate from this. Just well, Gran Turismo coming up too is another one. Oh I think. yeah, I mean, God, that's right. The Nissan, Sony, Gran Turismo, kind of like, oh, we're all great, kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I just forgot the YA boom, right, with like Hunger Games yeah. and, and that stuff, uh, and Twilight, and sort of that era of, of fiction adapted, uh, written fiction being adapted to, to the screen. So yeah, I think we, we just kind of look at this this process, how it starts, how and where it goes. How would you teach Popeye, Dustin? So I think what I would do with Popeye is I would teach an tourism course in a different kind of way. Um, I, I'm proposing a, a, a sort of great tourist course in which you 
you might select a couple. I'm going to at this point suggest three auteurs. And I think Altman is one of those directors that definitely um, fits the bill for auteurism. If you look at this and The Long Goodbye, you look at Nashville, you look at Shortcuts. Uh, and again, there's a sort of real connective tissue when I, the He Needs Me, He Needs Me song that gets in Punch Drunk Love mm-hmm. and the way in which um, Paul Thomas Anderson is thoroughly, thoroughly um, a devotee to the uh, cinema of Robert Altman. And I thought what I would do is do this via periods. And so you would take a, you know, a set of three filmmakers and was like, let's talk about their independent or early films or their first films. Let's look at sort of this. And so uh, I'm suggesting at this point, Guillermo del Toro, David Lynch and Robert Altman as sort of uh, three different flavors of all kinds of different stuff uh, in order to do this. And so you 60s and 70s, 70s and 80s, 90s and aughts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so the, the, you've got different time periods as well mm-hmm. that are sort of at work there. And I, I thought that would be kind of interesting. And so what I would do here is I would look at the disavowed studio picture section. And so, because all three of these filmmakers have that going on. So this is the um, terrible, terrible flop from Robert Altman that runs him off to France for like a decade. What's funny is this isn't a flop, though. It's one of those, like, it made a gazillion dollars, but the the studio wanted it to make even more money, and the critics hated it. Yeah. Yeah, It did, like... I think 60 off of 40, I think mm-hmm. is what it did, or maybe even 60 off of 20. It mm-hmm. made its money back, but yeah, yeah it did not, didn't do the business the studio was anticipating. Yeah, it wasn't huge. It wasn't a blockbuster, exactly. and they wanted it to be a blockbuster, and the critics, as you say, hated it, and he couldn't get work. I mean, he ends up off in exile in Europe for a while uh, because of that. And so I thought, you know, that, that would be an interesting thing to sort of think next to, and then again, so we'd have like three weeks of the course, one week we're doing Lynch, one week we're doing Del Toro, one week we're doing Altman. And so this is, for the Altman week, you do Popeye. And then for the Lynch week, you do Dune, mm-hmm. which is the sort of obvious one. And for Gimbal Del Toro, you do Mimic, mm-hmm. which is, uh, and, and you know what's weird is all three of those movies are better movies than sort of their press. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I don't care for Popeye at all. And of the three, I like it the least. But that being said, it's not like it's just... A disaster. Yeah, it, it it's just kind of messy. Mm-hmm. Is really it? I mean, it, it does it does seem as though it, I, I know I have questions about studio interference. I have questions sure. about mm-hmm. you know just the the lack of script and yeah. why that's why the script plays so weak of a role mm-hmm. and and that kind of stuff. And I, I would really want to dig a little bit more deeply into what was going on on this. The sort of caused whatever the the sort of magical alchemy that makes successful mm-hmm. cinema successful cinema disappear. What is it about Mimic that Guillermo del Toro just hates it so bad? Because mm-hmm. You know, and then the sort of middling one. So if I'm ranking them, Mimic, I think, is the best of the three movies. And, mm. and I think Dune is the, the second worst, the middle one. And then Popeye being the, the, the least successful, least. You know, one you just made me think of. And it's, it's a, probably because of the, the Park Chan-wook miniseries going on on Blank Check right now. Mm. But I, you made me think of Spike Lee's Old Boy, uh, mm-hmm. which is a Spike Lee film, not a Spike Lee joint. And yeah. One, I think with the only or one of the only movies he's ever made that's not a Spike Lee joint so kind of distancing himself in the sort of the presentation right there at the very beginning of the film mm-hmm. which is interesting a film that I'm sure none of us will ever get to yeah but you know that's sort of but that disavowed movie and, yeah, and, exactly. and a, a number of filmmakers have that sure. and, and how that fits into the the commercial auteur, mm-hmm. the auteur of commerce that mm-hmm. we're seeing at this point. Well, and that was why I brought up Spike because these other ones are, well, I guess it, it most relates to, to Lynch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially, well, and Almond too, I guess those are all adaptations. Whereas Del Toro is working from, uh, is it a script? He, I don't, I don't think he writes that. It's something that he gets brought on to, I right? I think it's something he's brought on to. Yeah. The but movie's it's an original idea. Yeah. 
Which is interesting. It's a Mira Sorvino movie, I think, attached yeah. to start with. Well, you said David Lynch, and I heard David Fincher, mm. and it still would have worked because I was—I thought you were going to say Alien Three. Mm. Oh, interesting. But is Alien? Uh, what is Alien Three in his filmography? He makes it's he his makes, first film. Okay, no. so yeah, he's so it wouldn't. I mean, the, interesting that it, your first film is your disavowed film, as opposed to the first film being something like The Game, yeah. which is what I thought it might have been. Mm-hmm. And so that would be an interesting interplay. And I think you know to add a fourth name or take you know del toro or lynch out and switch him out i think that would work uh for that but again just thinking about the sort of negotiation of hollywood how you how you arrive at that place of sort of again distinctive voice just producing good work how you sort of reach that higher level of awards Mm -hmm. and sort of recognition blank check status um what you do when you're struggling to find money i mean even orson wells is a good example here where we could use some things like that Mm -hmm. where and uh i watched his afi um, Lifetime Achievement Award speech the other day, and I was so sad to realize that he was um, basically just he uses the last five minutes of the speech to try to pump people for money for the other side of the wind, and because he can't afford to get it made, you know, and not till Netflix gets it done in 2018 does it get finished, and I mean how and, far and just makes it part of the content churn. Oh man, yeah, and it's how far the mighty have fallen. It's it's really kind of sad. Yeah. to see honestly mm-hmm. and so thinking about that the, the sort of how you make your way and how at times in many of these stories not all of them but there are these sort of flops these sort of failures these sort of disasters that are either based on studio intervention or just whatever other an overly ambitious project mm-hmm. you know whatever the case may be because right, you can make arguments for all of these films about the why they don't work. Right, right. So. And then there are, I think the reasons themselves are distinct and discreet mm-hmm. and, and sort of just sussing that out would be mm-hmm. kind of fun. And a, a different way to approach a tourism, I think, as well. Because oftentimes no tourist class is sort of like, we'll watch the great director and we'll it's see like a hagiography of, yeah, of the filmmaker. Of Hitchcock or whoever, yeah. I think it's more fun to use auteur theory to, uh, I mean, you know, we just released last week or maybe even a few weeks ago several weeks ago now at this point uh, that you're hearing this, but Arthur and I recorded just a short garbage shoot on Oppenheimer. And it's, you know, he's one of those guys, Nolan, I mean, that uh, you often use auteur theory to talk about the things that he's really bad at, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's interesting to kind of use auteur theory to kind of talk about the things that don't work or the films that don't work or, you know, the, the, the through lines that filmmakers return to unsuccessfully. Yeah. 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 So there you go, dear listener. I think your syllabus just got much longer. It's now time to get down to business. <laughs> That's right, dear listener. The business is analysis. We're going to analyze Popeye, Popeye. and it's Veggie <laughs> Quit pushing your spinach on me, animation. Hey, fun fact about World War II and uh, vegetable rumors in general. You okay. know, you, you've probably heard growing up that eating carrots makes you see better. Sure. Um, that is not the case. Um, the, the ingredients in carrots do not improve one's vision. However, during World War II, it was part of a misinformation campaign uh, because the United States had developed a better radar. And they and others were wondering how it is that they had such better, you know, sort of uh, knowing of where the other planes were. And they said, we feed our pilots more carrots. That's and we, so funny, dude. And we still, <coughs> excuse me, and we still say it. And we still bite. Wow. So is big vegetable behind? That's right. Popeye. 
I truly do not know the origin. I, I did not get to become a Popeye expert in preparation for this episode, unfortunately. And Brought to you to, by Green Giant. And I get to fill my head with sort of the history of the lore. I know the cartoon is like loosely based on a real sailor who looks absolutely insane and mm. does look almost exactly like Popeye. I've heard that before. Yeah, I've I, I'm heard vaguely tale aware of that. of there being a real guy that kind of looks like that uh, and had a little corncob pipe. Um but and no, I don't. I don't know where the spinach thing comes from. I'm, you know, I, I assume it is just a trying to get kids to eat their vegetables thing. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'm sure depression. I mean, it's an, yeah. a more inexpensive uh, food stuff, mm-hmm. and so you know, uh, well, if you're gonna eat anything, you're gonna get this, and so suck it up and eat your There's spinach. Depreskin on, yeah, depreskin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what Popeye comes to uh, popularity in the 20s, mm-hmm. so that coupled with inspiring children to eat their their veggies is probably mm-hmm. a, a good percentage where this comes from just around the corner yeah, yeah. yeah. uh fun uh speaking of just you know when it became popular uh and its rights uh paramount realized that they already had the rights to this movie because of the they did the theatrical releases for the shorts in the 30s and 40s so that's that they oh, were like yeah, oh yeah. shit we already own this <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. already allowed to make this because they weren't there was like Hanna Barbera had a Popeye cartoon on the air at the time that this movie was going into development so there was sort of an interesting rights question mm-hmm. which I think, think is funny um, I, God what do you even say about this movie um, all right we'll start here um, yeah, one do, of my do, do please my favorite gags is. Uh, Popeye talking to the photo of his father and then the reveal that it's a piece of cardboard <laughs> that he's just written good pap on only to later <laughs> when we meet the Commodore of Sweetwater Seawater Sea Haven Sweet Haven Sweet Haven see I mean see you see what an impression the film has made on me uh, when we meet the Commodore of Sweet Haven revealed to be Pappy Popeye uh, Captain Pap I forget what his actual name is Mi- Poop Deck Pappy? Poop Deck Pappy. When he recovers his treasure, in his treasure, is a photo of Popeye that just is a piece of cardboard that says, me son. <laughs> what an incredible funny. callback. What a great visual gag. And what maybe the only thing that this film has to say <laughs> is about the fraught nature between the relationship between fathers and sons. Uh, I guess. Uh, that's where we'll start because where the fuck else are we going to start? Uh, he went uh, out for a pack of cigarettes and never came back. Exactly I mean, that. that, that, that he is... would throw me in the air. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd leave. And then he'd leave before he hit the ground. Yeah. yeah. It's such a funny. Really funny. But, just throwaways from Rob Williams throughout this entire movie. But really it's just the joke on the cliche, right? doesn't really sort of explore that in any sort of meaningful kind of way it just sort of says and he's gone yeah and when he sh- and you know he's he's resistant to Popeye showing back up and then of course it is eventually revealed that of course he's happy his son's back I yeah. Mean, yeah I don't know that we do anything with well it. it still reckons with parenthood though right with, with the arrival of Sweet Pea becomes a thing of you know Popeye has a whole thing like, I can't just be his mother I have to be the father and the mother or whatever he's having that little existential he, crisis about parenthood because I'm gonna be his mother yeah I did write uh-huh. down the great line I'm not man enough to be a mother <laughs> yeah it's such a good line it's a really great line so I, I mean I think if anything it does try to I don't know if it does successfully but it does attempt I think to deal with parenthood and sure. the impacts of parenthood or absentee parenthood mm-hmm. and the roles of uh, mothers and fathers and all of that. Yeah, well, and I definitely kind of this, this is what is it? He says that even an orphan deserves a mother and father. Yeah. Like this this idea that he's he's trying his best to find a a proper not proper, but a supportive environment to raise sweet pea in uh, because he did not have that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something kind of valuable there. And again, like this sort of found family element with him and olive oil, like it is this child that brings them together over any sort of like 
you know, that is what makes them realize the romantic t- tension that exists between the two of them. So, I don't know, the movie's doing a gender, and sometimes it's kind of being subversive, and other times it's being very conventional. Sure. So, it's, it's, I don't know that it actually has anything to say, but it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's interested in so far that it's 1980 and it has to like feign interest in it, at least, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I mean, by the end of the movie, we've got Popeye needing to rescue olive oil from a giant octopus. So. Right. While she's stuck in the, um, the, the portal thing, right? Yeah. yeah whatever so, you call those big, yeah. those big horns, those big horns on the, those the horn shaped things on yeah. steamships. Uh, yeah. Shelley Duvall did go on record to say that this was her most, uh, fulfilling character she had portrayed and she felt it had depth and layers to it compared to everything else she had done. Uh-huh. I love it. I love it. I'm good for her. Hell so, yeah. Yeah. You go, Shelly Duvall. Yeah, absolutely. Love I it. support you in all you do. Yeah. Better than running around a giant hotel and being yelled at for a year. Yeah. <laughs> a, a solid year. It's so awful. Uh, yeah. No, I imagine this was quite the reprieve. I mm-hmm. imagine this was a joy to work on. It's a good time. Yeah, it's, a, it's a big sort of swashbuckling, silly, it's fun. you know, physical comedy kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, the physical comedy is really where this shines. That's that. Yeah. Those are, I mean, whether it's her being both graceful and clumsy at the same time or Bill Irwin doing his, you know, kind of clowning shtick, Bluto breaking stuff. By the way, you're so wrong. I mean, that's funny. That's a great number. I think I mean, it's really fun. Everybody's talking about how mean Bluto mm-hmm. is. Good number. You're wrong. Uh, yeah, but Bill Irwin's clowning in that scene is really fun. I, that's really what this film's, I think, signature strength is, is is sort of both the the performance of and the photography of the physical comedy, because it doesn't yeah, that, really that, have a whole that lot. That piano dropping scene is really fun at the opening moments of the movie. Yeah, right? where he pushes the piano. Yeah. And, oh my God, I'm like, so oh, funny. we're going to have a ton of this. This is going to be great. Yeah. And it's not enough. Not enough. You're, I, would t- I would definitely agree with that. Um, I don't know. What else is there? there? Uh, the Sweet Haven theme has notes of the Star Spangled Banner in it. It does. I don't know if there's anything to that. It does. Interesting. It, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Well, huh. They even call it our national anthem. That's true. Because it sounds like a, the national anthem. I mean, anthem. as soon as it starts, you hear those notes and then like, wait, 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 what? Mm-hmm. And it's not quite oh say. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that. Is there anything with the Commodore, this sort of this looming presence who's in, you know, Bluto is his enforcer and he's got, well, two enforcers. He's got this, this vile little bicycling tax man. Yeah. There's yeah. this over consistent overreaching of the government, right? To mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. tax every little thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, it does seem to be sort of a Reagan era kind of, you know, Villain. Yeah, it's a film that cannot see far enough that no, actually, it's corporations that are going to try to monetize every waking second of your life, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the government. But you're, that is, it's funny to call it a Reagan era touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's funny, but I don't know that the film like has anything to say about sort of at the all. ethics of taxation or 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 really at all yes. i guess so i i mean i don't know if i've seen any other altman movies did he do the clive owen upstairs downstairs thing or is that somebody else gosford park yeah, yeah. he did that i think i've seen that yeah anyway um i may have seen something else i don't Nash? know no i haven't seen that um so let's think about this uh, uh based on your all's knowledge uh, as far as a tourism let's start with this what are his normal proclivities Proclivity. I can't speak. They proclivities. Yeah, that's the word. I got you. Like, like off, what is what are the Altman trademarks, and then let's see if that comes through here in Popeye. Okay, uh, off the frame muttered dialogue mm-hmm. is huge in Altman. He's an overlapping here. dialogue guy too, it right? Is yeah, big overlapping dialogue thing, and that, that that's that's the biggest key in what I've okay. seen there. Uh, and again, you know, for me, it's just this one in the long uh, long goodbye. But um, or wait, 
Yeah, Long Goodbye. Yeah. I always almost com- confuse it with the Helen Mirren and uh, Bob Hoskins movie, The Long Good Friday. I think oh, is the yeah, title yeah. of that, that film. One, I, always, yeah. I have to like separate the posters in my mind when I think about these movies. But yeah, that that film's interesting because it is this sort of this subversion or not subversion, but this this reinterpretation of the noir and you know what is a Sam Spade type like in seventies LA versus you know post war LA, and, and this is definitely in conversation with that film insofar as that it is a riff on existing stuff. And so he is being forced in his career to sort of have a take on pre-existing material. Um, but that's, that's really all I've got. You know, that's all I can think of is sort of his, the, the way in which he has to kind of find the essence of a noir in that film and long goodbye, or find the essence of a, a serial, a cartoon short and, and kind of synthesize it and have something, kind of new to offer i think there's a sort of interest in character where there's there's something going on mm-hmm. but there's a lot of in between in his especially i'm thinking about shortcuts um and mash to an, to an extent as well here where there's there, there's characters and there are some things that are going to happen but it's really not about what happens but what happens will help you sort of deepen your understanding of a given character and so the way the sort of in, interplay between character development and narrative seems to be a through line here and again that that's a lot of Popeye's there's a lot of bits of business that are going on but they're not mm-hmm. developing anything mm-hmm. that, that that's where it misses a little bit you yeah. know I guess I have seen parts of MASH on AMC a couple of times sure, as a yeah. kid so yeah and I, I kind of remember that having sort of a vignette structure mm-hmm. as, as you just mentioned so yeah and, and, and same thing with shortcuts I mean it, which is very much Magnolia you know yeah. same kind of vignettes and, and then sort of the interconnection is sort of like oh the, the, the sort of surprising moment at the end is like oh and now we sort of understand the life of Los Angelinos um, at the end well of both movies uh, for that matter but yeah that's kind of what's going on it seems anyway there in Altman's style again but kind of a realist kind of photography as well mm-hmm. that he tends to do um kind of natural lighting and uh, so he's not real stylistic with his um uh direction towards the cinematographers as well and i think that's that's also here in pop now is nashville a musical no it's a it's about it's um, just a bunch of people in nashville right yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. stories in nashville thing mm-hmm. So he's this is the first musical, presumably. I'm assuming, or do you know? I if don't he's know. Done anything else? I don't know of any. I don't know of any others. Well, Mash is a musical, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah as, as, as is a long goodbye. Yes, yeah. yeah. Sam Spade sings and dances. Yeah, suicide is painless <laughs> as a whole. You know, song and dance numbers. <laughs> Ellie Gould's tap number. That <laughs> Ellie Gould doing a tap number is pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of undeniable. Uh, I want it's that good now. as Gould. <laughs> Oh my oh god! So nothing in this movie, absolutely whatsoever. <laughs> Damsel in distress, bad. Go um, musicals. Mean, I don't know. Hiring a musician to do all the song and lyric music and lyrics and for a your choreographer film. for the dance. I mean, they. I'm just you know they've got the same you know. Aaron Nilsson did all the music and lyrics. Like get somebody. I don't know that it always has to be a a pop musician of the time, but you know it's it's definitely a good move to mm-hmm. try and get a name. I mean. Well, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you're good. Well, I was just going to say, there, I mean, there is choreography insofar as there is synchronized movement, right? Yes. But it's so, not these sort of big, elaborate dance numbers. I, I want the ballet of the hamburger for everything is food, is, is what sure, I want. Sure, and, and I don't get it. We might be on Twinkle Toes dancing around the <laughs> rough house. Ballet of the hamburger is the name of my new memoir. <laughs> the boxing stuff is all great. Yeah. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have anything to say about it other than it's like maybe the the best, like, 
as far as like harnessing sort of the anarchic energy of this film mm-hmm. and like really cha- channeling that that comedic cartooniness, like that that's really the strongest stretch of the film in some ways. It is a weird that, sort of double standard in Popeye's parenting that you know Olive was like, we need to we don't take the kid to the fights and like, no, nah, it's a fine place for him to be. And it's like, no, we're not going to the horse track though. No, 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 no. Yeah, well, it's it's using Sweet Pea to help gamble. Yeah. I think that's that's the real crime. yeah the that, ill repute there. Yeah. yeah. There's a weird, interesting thing about this world because at the boxing match, we're introduced to this boxing character and his mother, but they're already in the movie earlier on, right? They're at the engagement party, I believe, is the first time we see them and we see them leave. So they're already existing. So it's that's a weird thing to do to have these people and then they just kind of randomly show up later as these big bads in another story that's taking place. That's so funny. I did not notice them at the engagement party. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's hilarious. I missed yeah. Linda Hunt first, but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that was kind of what brought me back to it later when she shows up again. I'm like, wait, they were... Because yeah. I remember hitting this big guy walking out. But then their boat shows up and is like, yeah. wait, weren't you already here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's got to be a feature of this film, not being very tightly scripted. Right. I guess, I mean, what yeah. What do think? Yeah, interesting. That's weird. Interesting. You know, you don't want to go into production without an ironclad script unless you've improv a couple of films before. Well, I think he had an ironclad script. He just didn't care. <laughs> yeah, well, no, yeah. That's, that might have been it. There's a disregard for the script. Is, you know, be you throw caution to the yeah. wind. And just, it's Robert Altman, I guess. I don't know. Well, and, and then Robin Williams just is going to go off book. Yeah. You know, that's, He's uh, Robin Williams. Make way for him. Yeah. Get yeah. out of the way. He's a force of nature, if nothing Truly. else. Truly do multiple takes. Truly. Yeah. Um, where are we at? Time-wise. Oh, uh, we're, we're creeping up on 50. We could, we could land the plane if we want. Yeah, I mean, come on. What more do we have to say? I've got some Robin thoughts for future weeks. Uh, yeah, I'm but sure we can hit him up later. But yeah, we'll hit him up soon enough. I do think, so for me, we kind of talked about the, you, I, I think aesthetically, again, brings this cartoon, I mean, costumes, mm-hmm. the weird prop, makeup, biceps. Yeah, all the but, iconography's but there. there is something, Popeye as a char- cartoon character with mm-hmm. that jaw, that cheek, that weird swoop thing is just so iconic that, trying to humanize him in any form I just don't think works. Yeah. Like I never look at Robin Williams. Yeah. I I can never fully buy into Robin Williams as Popeye. I mean he's got mm. the arms, he's got the look, but that face is just so distinctive mm. as a cartoon formation. Okay. I don't think it can translate to live action. I buy that. Unless there's like some huge, weird, and again, it would be an uncanny valley thing of having this giant prosthetic head. I, I just don't think it can. I can buy into it. It's weird how little they have to do to his face. They don't like put a bunch on. No, it. they don't. I mean, and he does that little underbite a, thing. He does the underbite. He's, he's already got, got kind of a strong chin, yeah. so they don't have to help him out there. Yeah, it is interesting. But the red hair and the, I don't know. Yeah, like yeah just, the I hair don't. really threw me off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is kind of weird. Okay. Don't really think of Popeye having hair. Mm-mm. I do love that they uh, they didn't get the arms right at first, which is why he's got that coat on. Yeah, they just like, have to hide the arms till they figured out the the prosthetic. That's funny, isn't that good? Uh, yeah, it's a nice piece of business. Uh, I guess we should crash the ship. Yeah, crash this, sh- crash our our little dinghy, crash our dinghy, yeah, yeah, into the dock and uh, render a verdict. Yes, let's do that. So, what do you say, Dalton? Shell for trash. I mean. This is, <laughs> it's on Paramount Plus, you know. So, so say we won, so say we all. Yeah, I mean, you can find this if you really want to watch it. And, it's been out for forty years. So. And look, I my dad likes this movie a lot. He saw this in theaters, and that's why we watched it when I was a kid. You know, he's got some affection for this movie, and he's not alone. If you like this movie, good for you. I mm-hmm. see why you like it. There's definitely like things to like. Uh, 
but and if I had watched it more in my life than the the two, you know, once at twelve and once at thirty two, maybe I'd feel a little differently. But yeah, I, I can't I can't really quite say it's shelfable. No. What about you, Art? Trash. Yeah, yeah it's easy trash for me. And obviously, <laughs> Dustin, we know that. No, I don't like it at all. Yeah. I mean, it, it. I don't. I don't dislike someone else for liking it. I want to be clear here. I just, man, it does not work for me. I'm just like, yeah, this yeah. is kind of yeah. a mess. Total dud. Yeah, and well, I wanted it to work more. If it were, well, I had hope for it. I'd me like too. it a lot more if it were an hour and a half. Uh-huh. 100%. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, dog. Big <laughs> a time. A lot more. Yeah. Oh, I come up a full half. I probably come up from three to four stars. Yeah. Wow. I have. I have fun with this wow. movie if it's ninety minutes. Yeah. That's where I'm at. All right. Well, there you go. Um, we're probably wrong on Popeye. You Popeye defenders. <laughs> you old Popeye defender. Send me your spinach. <laughs> Good trash genre cast at gmail.com. Pipe. That is, yeah. That's I'm glad we don't have a mailing address. We'll we just get cases of like Del Monte spinach. spinach. Thank, God. Thank God. Just corn cob pipes for days. Uh, yeah. Put it in your pipe and smoke it. Why, why else would you put it in your pipe? Uh, Good trash genre cast at gmail.com. If you've got feedback on Popeye or anything else about the pictures that you want to say to us, you can find this show at Good Trash Media on most show social media platforms. But truly, we're just telling you that it's there for the the clout numbers. We don't we don't really post. Uh, if you want to follow me, I'm the only poster, and I'm bad at it. I'm Dollywood Squares on Letterboxd and Threads and Instagram. Um, if you want to support this show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM. Last week, we just talked about the Rankin and Bass animated The Last Unicorn, uh, and that was uh, picked for us by our patron Taylor. So if you want to pick a movie for us to talk about or, uh, you know, get a DVD sent to us by uh, sent to you by us, uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM to get more information on how to support the show. Uh, we just got new equipment. We talked about this last week, but we're recording on new mics and new mic stands Yay. and new headsets. And that is because of the support of our listeners. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate that. Uh, that's it. I get a host pick next week, right? No, it's not yet. It's coming soon to th- after an, next week to an ear near you yeah what do we have next week arthur well like i, I just got to keep this family thing going mm. I, I i've enjoyed uh these children's movies not really i, I haven't liked the last two but maybe i'm gonna like the next <laughs> one i don't know we'll <laughs> see <laughs> maybe i have cursed myself uh which is appropriate because next week we're going to dig through the ditches and burn through the witches and slam in the back of our dragula when we take a look at Rob Zombie's The Monsters. Oh, very fun. I've watched this recently. You've seen it multiple times. I have seen it more than once. Of course you have. All right. Well, there you go, dear listener. Um, Oh, man, that's so fun. That'll be an interesting time. Yeah. You keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. (laughs) 